You're about to hear a podcast recorded before our rebrand, so you might hear us mention our previous brand name, We Are Radical, or our original podcast name, The Radicalist. We're still the same show with the same hosts on the same mission. And if you'd like to find out how we got here, you'll find our journey on the stories page of obuinvest.com. Hello and welcome to the Radicalist podcast, where we have frank conversations with fierce women founders. This is a podcast about not settling, full of honest conversations with women who have wanted to build their own businesses and did. If you're making the tough but incredible decision to start up, sustain or scale your own business, we've got you. Because we're a podcast by, for and about women who do exactly that. Women looking that leap in the eye, women taking their first steps as founders, Women with stories about the journeys they've been on, the hacks that have helped, and everything they've seen along the way. Women like us, and women like you. We're Sarah King. And Claire Dunn. And we're the founders of We Are Radical. And this is The Radicalist Podcast. On The Radicalist today, we're joined by Marie Farmer, founder of Mini Meal Times, an app designed to help parents ensure they're giving healthy food to their children. She talks so passionately about her mission, how it came from her own experiences with her family and how she wanted something more useful than just writing a food diary. She also discusses the importance of getting feedback without bias and how mistakes are part of the entrepreneurial journey. So Marie, welcome to The Radicalist. It's absolutely brilliant to have you here with us today. We'll come on to talk about the story behind your business and why you started your business in a moment. But for now, could you share with us the problem that your business solves and who is it that your business serves? Well, thank you for having me. I'm I'm honoured to be one of your guests, so I'm really excited about chatting with you both today. So the problem that we solve was a problem that I experienced personally, and I started realising that so many other parents experienced this problem and just needed help guidance and support. And that was the problem of basically trying to figure out what the heck to do about feeding your children. And if you were doing the right thing, if you were feeding them the perfect amount of nutrition, because as parents, we always put so much pressure on ourselves to be the perfect parent. And food is one of the big, big things that we constantly worry about. When I started my business, I surveyed parents and it was something like 91% of parents worry about what they're feeding their children every single day. It was horrifying. When I started to dig into those results and really talking to parents and figuring out kind of what problem needed to be solved, you know, it was things like, is this healthy? Can I feed this to them? You know, are they at the right stage? Am I going to be judged for feeding my children this? Are they eating enough? Are they getting enough? And all of these questions that parents have, and they didn't really have a really good place to get those questions answered. The solutions at the time were, you know, going on a bunch of like online forums, which, you know, have their place for certain things, or, you know, sheepishly going to a doctor and admitting fault and and feeling really bad about yourself, or just generally worrying. And I thought, why isn't there a platform or a tool? You know, this is kind of very early days. Why isn't there something that can answer these questions, but very quickly, not in a very drawn out way, not something that's going to absolutely break the bank, nothing that's 
is going to judge you, right? Something that's just going to give you very black and white answers about what's in our children's food and specifically what's in your child's food and how that is affecting their overall health, right? And there wasn't anything like that. There were lots of different things. I just thought, why isn't there one one solution, one place, one tool, one service? And that was kind of how Mini Mealtime started to evolve. And so who does the platform serve? So it's obviously parents. Is it parents of children of a certain age? Like, who do you who do you really focus in on in terms of your proposition and who it's for? So our main, main focus is parents of children between the ages of one and five. That is our key focus, just because childhood nutrition is so incredibly important and it has a huge impact on their overall health, not just when they're little, not just as they grow into children, but also into adulthood, right? So if you look at studies time and time and again, the first three to five years of a child's life are absolutely crucial in terms of brain development and physical health. Getting a healthy start first time and giving parents that support and that foundation without any judgment is so so important for future generations if children are have a nutritionally balanced diet from when they're young and they grow up with healthy attitudes toward food they're just naturally going to start doing a little bit better in school just because they have a little bit more focus now obviously that's not going to solve all the world's problems but I just think helping to create that solid foundation is just going to have such huge positive ramifications it feels as though a very personal set of circumstances of you wanting to go and figure this out for yourself and for your child was the trigger for the business but actually what it has resulted in is actually a much much bigger ambition it's like a actually we need to solve a bigger societal problem here and as it happens this route in this area that I've understood and I've developed a solution for that will empower parents to make good decisions for their children is one of the routes to getting there and one of the routes to solving that problem and it feels like you have this real kind of very personalized experience and that's really married up with this big kind of world changing view of what the app can do and what your business can help with. Oh, 100%. I mean, I will fully admit, and I don't know how dangerous this is to admit or not. When I first had the idea, when I first first had the idea, I was not thinking about the wider world and how I could do good. That was not my initial ambition. I was thinking about myself and my child, right? I was a first time mother. I just wanted my kid to be healthy. I was terrified. And actually at the time he was having some health issues and the doctors were concerned and the C word was mentioned a few times and they were like cautiously optimistic, but also worried. It was a very strange time and he's completely healthy now. And it it was just a blip, but that really started me on the journey, right? Because I was like, how can I help my child? I feel so powerless. One of the only things that they really gave me to do was to do a food diary because they said, you know, his nutrition, it could play a part into some of these results. We need to figure out what's going on. And that was probably one of the only things that I could do that I felt like I had some agency. And I think most parents, obviously, they're not always put in that situation, but food is something that we have control over. And I am very type A. I like tracking things. I like monitoring. I know what's going on. <laughs> but, you know, we food is something that was in our, our daily lives, no matter what. And actually, as I started building this business, I realized it's even more personal to me because, you know, growing up, 
I wasn't humongously privileged. We had times where it was difficult. I used to bruise so easily. And it going back, I realized it was because I was malnourished. <laughs> and it didn't twig at the time. And, you know, my parents did their the absolute best and they're great people. But it does make a difference. And I, I just wanted the absolute best for my child. And then as I started talking to more parents, as I started looking at the problem and the world around me, it just, the solution got more ambitious. It got bigger and I started getting bolder with what I wanted to do. But I think I'm glad that that wasn't my initial plan. I wasn't like world domination with mini meal times. (laughs) I'm glad it started out very like selfish almost because that's what's given me the passion to keep going when I'm not sure what to do next, or I've been kind of pushed back, I've had, you know, rejection, that kind of personal fire and drive has helped me, you keep going. And I think that's really, really important for someone who's starting a business, especially women who have a lot more to kind of get over the wall of success. You need you need that personal fire, you really do. And Marie, when you talk about that period of time where it went from something that was kind of personal to you and you recognised there was a business idea in there, when it went from that to actually there's a lot of parents who were feeling the same, was it obvious to you straight away that technology would play a part and that it would be a digital solution and an app? Do you have a technology background? How did that solution come to the fore for you? I think almost immediately, once I started thinking about this in terms of an idea, technology was my go-to for two reasons. One, I do have a little bit of a tech background in the sense that I used to work for a digital agency and we launched countless digital products. And so I helped launch tech products. You know, I was a tiny little cog at the time, Um, but that would be my go-to. And I was like, oh, I need developers to help me build this and, and designers and everything. But The other reason why was because the only thing that I was able to do was to have a food diary. And I remember writing it out and I was just so frustrated because I was like, I don't know where a notebook is. I don't have notebooks. And I had to like go under the bed and dig one out that I got for Christmas and then look for a pen that had ink in it. And then I started writing it down. And that was nice, but I was also like a bit bored because I thought this isn't giving me any results. I'm just going porridge, milk apple slices, you know, uh, you know, like a hot chocolate. But I was just like, there's no feedback, right? I'm just writing out on a piece of paper. And actually, I have lost that notebook. And it really frustrates me because I wish I still had it as like a memento, right? like where it all started, that notebook. It's really interesting, Marie, that sense of you've gone to the GP for support and help and the solution is a food diary. But then what you're describing, it sounds very isolating because you're at home and you're making those notes, but there's no feedback, there's no kind of interaction. So even just that activity, it isolated you further by the sounds of things. Exactly. I I, I was feeling so disheartened and they said, don't worry, every week you'll come back and you'll show us this diary and then we can go through it. And I was like, okay, but what am I supposed to do in the meantime? I can't call you up. I, you know, I wanted instant results. I think our, our generation is very much like instant gratification. And I didn't understand why there wasn't a digital version of, of a food diary like this. And so I wanted something that was going to give me instant feedback about what I was inputting, but also something that was specific to my child, not just generic, milk is good for you. It's like, okay, but is this a good amount of calcium that they're getting for their their age? Because, you know, a two-year-old 
is going to have different requirements to a five-year-old or a 10-year-old. And I was like, I would like some information on that. But again, it's just like, get your children to have dairy and get them to have grains. And it was just so generic. And I was like, this is not helpful. I want something specific. I want to know exactly what they need. Am I giving it to them? And if I'm not, like what I can do. And I just thought, it definitely needs to be an app because it needs to be something that parents can like, you know, input some information, put it down, doesn't require too much hand-holding to kind of put it in. And I basically just wanted to condense what you would get in a GP's office or a dietitian's appointment into an app. That's kind of what our vision is. And so as you went about creating the app, like talk us through the lessons that you've learned from creating an app, because Where do you start with creating an app? How do you pull data into that? How do you test it? Kind of what are the the key lessons that you've learned from that process? Building an app is an absolute minefield. Um, Whether you've done it once or you've done it 10 times, it is so difficult. When you start the app, you you have to have an idea. You ideally have, are able to code or at least get people in your team that know how to code. You also need designers as well. And that was something that I skipped initially, which I regret. And I tell people, no, 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 never, ever do that. You really need someone with a design background, a kind of UX expert, someone who understands usability. And that's because you could have the best idea in the world. But if you build it in a way that is confusing, then people are going to miss your great idea. It could be the best idea in the world, but people are going to look at it and go, I don't know how to use it. As a founder, when it's your idea, you're just like, how do you not understand? This is my dream. Like, this, yeah. is, this is the best idea I've ever had. I designed it myself initially without any input from any parents. So I did a bunch of interviews, but I didn't show them any of the product. We built it with some developers who, you know, really great guys. I just said, okay. And then I showed it to a bunch of parents and tumbleweeds. People were just like, I don't know what this does. Because one of the other things that we did, it's really important that you don't have bias, especially when it's like a new feature or a new product. You don't want to say to people, this is my new business idea and it's my dream. So please tell me what you think. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Please be kind. Please be kind. Because that is the absolute worst thing you can do. Um, Because nine times out of 10, people are going to go, oh yeah, I really like it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. No, no problems. It's great. That's No, so you you want like real raw, honest answers. So I kind of presented to people. I didn't tell them that it was my idea. They had no idea I had anything to do with this. I think I lied and said I was like a mark from a marketing agency and we were just doing feedback for people. And I didn't tell them what the app did. I just said, you know, I just want your, if you just saw this in the world, you have no idea what this product does. You know, tell me what you think of it. And at the time we had the name All Gone. That was like the brand name. No one liked that name. Everyone hated it. Nobody understood what it was. And so then after those initial things, I started asking them questions around food and cooking and parenting, trying to see what their actual problems were. And they were having all the problems I anticipated. So I was like, why don't they like my idea? This doesn't make any sense. And then I started talking specifically about the app. And I said, well, if the product would exist, what would you like it to do? And they said, oh, yeah, it'd be cool if you could track and find out what was in food, like you've said, and that would be interesting. And being able to scan things and have it like generate a report, that would be interesting. And I was like, the app does that. And they were like, does it? And I was like, yes, just go into it. And they said, oh, I didn't mean, to, I didn't expect to press this button. I didn't know where to go next. I didn't know to tap. I thought I was going to have to swipe. And 
all of these things that you don't think about if you don't have that background. It's not just having an idea. You need people who really understand you know, all the different aspects of the product and how to build products. Um, so that was a big learning curve for me, kind of really understanding even just little things like the way buttons are shaped. This might sound boring to like the average person, but to me, I've become very focused on like colors and button shapes and positions of what, where things are, because they do make a difference to whether someone is going to continue to use your app or not. And it's a very similar thing to websites. We look at stuff for about five seconds. And if we don't automatically know what to do next or feel like we know what to do next, we go off the website or we don't, don't use the app. I think you've highlighted a really important point, though, which is this idea that you need to build your business and your proposition with your customers. It's no good kind of going away and doing it behind the scenes with with a set of assumptions that you believe to be true, because nine times out of 10, when you put that product or that service experience is in front of your customers, it won't be right because you're not looking at it from their lens or their perspective. You're looking at it with... I really believe this is a great idea. And so we have to kind of give our businesses to our customers so that they can tell us what they love, what they don't love, what they don't understand, what they really positively dislike. And we always talk about this need to separate yourself from your business so that that feedback doesn't feel personal. When you're able to make that separation, you can then take that feedback be it positive or be it things that you need to change and actually do something productive with it rather than feel a bit bruised and hurt by it. Oh yeah, 100%. It can be really, I mean, it's easy when people love what you're doing and they think you're amazing, right? You're like, obviously Mm -hmm. I'm a genius. But then when you get criticism and it's like, oh, I didn't like this. I didn't understand this. I want this instead of that. I have gotten a lot, lot better at really compartmentalizing and separating the business and saying, you know, this is the feedback that we're getting and we're either going to have to action it and do better or dismiss it and potentially fail. This was also a mistake that I have made as well. So I did that initially and then I went, oh no, Marie, you've made a mistake. Make sure you listen to people. So we built it more in terms of, you know, we got people to look at it and listen to their feedback. And then instead of continuing that process, I then pushed everyone away. I was like, I've got their feedback now, so I don't need more. <laughs> so I was like, let's just build again without anything. Um, <laughs> you know, That's I, brilliant, Maria. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, right, I've done that once. Tick. Tick. Let's move on. Check the box. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I have learned now that that is a continual process and that you have to keep doing it and as a founder I found that really hard and I I like to think other people (laughs) also find that really difficult but I have gotten a lot better and I don't do that anymore but it did take me slightly longer than I would like to admit. (laughs) And Marie that that kind of takes us on to a question that we wanted to explore with you so what do you feel you've really learned about yourself as a person so you made that step into entrepreneurship you're building a technology solution What do you feel you've learned about yourself as a person or as an entrepreneur? I've learned that I'm incredibly resilient. It wasn't ever really something I I thought about beforehand. And I always thought I was relatively ambitious, but it wasn't a huge thing in my life. But 
I am incredibly resilient. You know, the amount of rejection you receive as a female founder, as a founder of color, as a founder in the UK as well. Like that's also a thing we sometimes have to overcome as a solo founder, as a woman and a mother. There's a lot of rejection that you you could get or like you just get shut out of certain things, unfortunately, no matter how much has happened. You know, and I've definitely had great successes as well. um, And those have definitely helped with like keeping going. But I find that in a lot of like businesses, particularly, you know, kind of technology startups, often persistence is the big thing. You know, we hear so many of these like overnight success stories or someone's doing really well. But a lot of the time you don't hear about like the three to five years of like them trying to get to that point. And they only ever talk about it once they're succeeded really, really well. So all of like, you know, the struggles really get glossed over or they don't get talked about at all or people don't pay attention to them. But when you're in the thick of it, it's really hard. But I've when I've looked at a lot of businesses that have ultimately succeeded in the long run, I've done well. And this isn't the case for all of them, obviously, but quite a lot of them have been businesses that have really persevered and have had points where it looks like, why are you running this business? It's not going to work. And they've just kept going. And ultimately, they're the ones that make it to the finish line just because they've kept going. They've not given up. Obviously, you want to be the business that like launches on a Monday and, you know, gets IPO <laughs> next year. <laughs> but <laughs> the stories are so unhelpful, though, aren't they? Like it just it just creates this perception, as you've described, of, well, well, if it's not an overnight success, what on earth are you doing? Like you must be doing something wrong. But that's just so far from the reality. Like there are days where it all just feels incredibly hard and and you can question whether it's worth it. But I think that resilience that you've described, it feels like it's so connected to your purpose and your why around I want to put know-how and confidence in the hand of parents when it comes to nutrition and what we're feeding our children. Yeah, that's what's kept me going, right? Also, I think it's also helped to talk to other people, other founders who are in the same position as me or have gone through it and are doing really, really well. They're quite, you know, well-known. Their businesses have done incredibly, incredibly well. So they've been on that journey and they can kind of relate to, to kind of being earlier and still kind of trying to make a space for yourself. There's still challenges at every level and mistakes to make and lessons to learn. So it's a constant, it's just, we're just constantly moving. We can't be still. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So you've been working on the business for about three years. You launched in 2020. As you look back on that time, I'd love to hear from you. What moments are you most proud of? The first, first thing that made me really proud was when I initially, after I had the idea and I I didn't really know what to do next, I actually ended up going to the Prince's Trust's charity who have an entrepreneurial like network and they help people build businesses. And I'd heard of them before, but I didn't know if they were going to be able to help me. And they said, of course. And they gave me that like initial encouragement to actually build it because at that point it was just an idea and I'd spoken to a few people but I hadn't implemented anything and their encouragement was my first feeling of like oh wow you know this charity thinks that I can do this I remember being really proud of myself that they believed in me right it wasn't just family and friends because at that point I'd only ever spoken to family and friends about it so they were you know essentially strangers at that point and that validation from them and that encouragement made really proud and then the second point which happened 
but actually soon after that, when I was interviewed by the BBC about my idea. At that point, again, I had built nothing. (laughs) And I approached the BBC and I, I don't know why I did it. I think I just... Maybe it's my PR background, like just came out for a bit and said, you know, just pitch it, see what happens, see what they think. And I thought I'd hear crickets. They loved it immediately. They were like, yes, we want to do an interview. We want to get the word out. And I was like, oh, my God, the BBC, what <laughs> what an That's interview. Very cool. I was so pleased and excited. But then I was like, yeah. oh, no, I've got to do so much stuff. But I was so happy. And that will always, I think that will always be kind of a highlight And then when we won our first award from the University of Middlesex for like best entrepreneurial idea, and that gave me the first money to build the app. What's your audacious goal or your North Star for Mini Mill Times? What would you love to see in the future? Say say in five years time, where would you like your business to be? I really, really want, and I do think that it's possible. My dream for Mini Mail Times is to be kind of the number one source for nutrition advice and services. That's what I want initially in the UK, but globally. And I think it's perfectly doable because there isn't something like that. There's so many fractured places to get information. There's not like a trusted source. If you ask most people, oh, where do you get nutrition advice? They'll give you like 10 different answers. There's no kind of one place to get it. There's not like a brand really in nutrition, especially for children's nutrition, which as I said, I think is incredibly important and something that we really, really need to be focusing on. You know, but the app is useful for parents with children between the ages of one and 18, because while the first five years of a child's life are incredibly important, by the time they're teenagers, they want to eat on their own. They don't want their parents giving them dinner. A lot of the time they're like, oh, I'm going to go to my friend's house and have dinner. Or like, oh, I got chips on the way home. It's fine. I'm not hungry. Or they go in the fridge and just eat everything anyway. And you're like, oh, okay. And so there's, again, there's not that support for slightly older children, but they're also incredibly vulnerable to bad practices, right? And that's when they start really kind of worrying about their own body image and start going on dangerous diets and they're incredibly vulnerable and there needs to be a place for children to kind of really learn about nutrition but in a safe place where they're not going to be preyed upon and told to lose 20 pounds. And so if anybody wants to learn more about Mini Meal Times where can they go to find out more? So you can go to minimealtimes.com and you'll be able to find out more about the app. You can download, there'll be links to download the app right there on the website. Or you can go to the App Store, the Apple Store or the Google Play Store where you'll find the Mini Meal Times app. You can also find us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of those things. And then if anybody wants to talk to me, there's a contact form on the website which goes directly to me or you can DM me on Twitter as Marie Farmer. I think it's really important. So many of our users have just sent me direct messages um, in my DMs and stuff, which I love. Like, more, 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 please. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. It has been absolutely a pleasure to talk to you today, Marie. It's like your passion and your enthusiasm are very, very evident in this conversation. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if world domination for food education is absolutely on the radar for the next five years. <laughs> Hopefully. That's that's the plan, world domination, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> it's really great to talk to you, Marie. Thank you for joining us. Okay. Thank you for having me. We'll be back next week with more inspiration and know-how on starting and growing your own business.